And turning your Bibles to John chapter 10 in the New Testament, and while you're doing that, we're going we're gonna to pick up there just in a minute, but I want to say this in reference to baptism. Over the past several weeks, um, there have been several people that have made decisions to follow Christ, or maybe you have made a decision to follow Christ in the past and has never been baptized. Um, coming up in just a couple of weeks, uh, we will we'll be having a baptismal time, and so uh, on the website, there is a place that you can sort of go through and look and ask some questions. I mean, if you've got questions about, about baptism, uh, there is a page on the website that you can go that will answer some questions. There's a, there's a sermon online. There's a place that you can contact one of us if you have a child that's made a decision to follow Christ or maybe you're walking through this time of, of your child making a decision to follow Jesus. You can contact Miss Sharon. If it's a student, uh, you're, you're free to contact Mr. Melvin. But we want to make it as simple as possible because we believe that baptism is that next step in obedience and and why a person wouldn't want to be baptized if they've made that decision to follow Christ I don't I don't know but what baptism is is it doesn't save you because you've been baptized does it mean that you have been saved okay listen if you've not given your heart and your life to Jesus it ain't there baby I don't care how many times you've been dunked in the water I don't care how many times you've been to church how much money you give or whatever it is Salvation comes when we submit ourselves to the Lord and we say, Jesus, I want you to be in the driver's seat of my life. And what baptism is, is an outward expression of what takes place inwardly of saying, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And it's that testimony. And if you've not been baptized, and if you've not been followed through in baptism, listen, we'd love to walk you through that time. And online is just some information about that. Um, but let me say this in reference to happiness. We've been talking about happiness over the past several weeks, so let me, let me sort of make a, or ask a question. Have you ever seen somebody that has undermined their own happiness? It's not that hard of a question. I mean, have you or somebody that you know ever undermined their own happiness. Let's just think about that for a second. Have you ever made a decision that led you down a path that you didn't want to go? <laughs> Some of you people are like, yeah, man, that's me. Some wives are elbowing their husbands. I told you when you bought that boat, it wasn't the thing to do. Why in the world do we bring more trouble and more pain and more struggles on our life? Why do we feel like we've got to go out and create more pain when Jesus himself said, in this world you will have troubles? But you don't have to go out and create it for yourself. I mean, think about that. Why do we, in life, spend our time trying to create more stress when in this world we're going to have stress? You know what, I think that if, if the consequences of our decisions were faced sooner rather than later, it might prompt us not to make some of the dumb decisions that we make. I mean, think about it. I mean, if we were to face the consequences of our decisions sooner rather than later, there would probably be a lot of things in life that we wouldn't do. I mean, every time that you lied, your nose were to grow like Pinocchio, okay? You would think about the next time that you lied, right? Or the, next, or the time that you spoke about somebody and all of a sudden your lips just blew up. Everybody, whoop! 
How many would have big lips in here? Let me see. Or that, I mean, I mean, when you were participating in a conversation and listening in on something you shouldn't have been listening in, all of a sudden your ears got bigger. Or you watching something you shouldn't watch and all of a sudden your eye fell out. I mean, wouldn't it be that if, if something were to happen in life and we were making a decision that we shouldn't make and bringing undue pain and suffering upon ourselves, walking down the wrong path, that all of a sudden if that were a consequence that would take place immediate instead of later down the line, that there would be a, probably a lot of things in life that we wouldn't consider doing because we'd go, oh my goodness gracious, what happens if, now I shouldn't even go there. What happens if you eat that piece of pie and all of a sudden there was 50 pounds that just showed up? I done got all up in my business, hadn't I? I mean, can you just think about all the things that would change, the choices that we would be inclined not to make? But how many times do we undermine our happiness? Maybe because we don't understand the difference between pleasure and happiness. Because there is a difference between pleasure and happiness. I want to look at this passage of scripture that, that Jesus uh, shares with us in John chapter 10 because I think it relates to us. And here, here's Jesus, he's talking and he's sharing some things and the people aren't getting it. And that's what it says, they just don't really understand. They're not catching what he's laying down. And so Jesus sort of switches pictures, word pictures with them. And he talks about something that I think is very applicable for us today. And after we read this passage of Scripture, in a few minutes we're going to end up in, in Romans chapter, chapter 6. But let's just see what Jesus has to say here that may help us in our discussion as we look at the difference between pleasure and happiness. And this is what Jesus said, and, and, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation like we always do. And we, we read from the New Living Translation because it's a little bit easier for, to, for, for people that, are, that have not grown up in church to maybe better understand what, what's being said here. And so in this translation, the living, New Living Translation, this is what Jesus says. A thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. You might want to underline that word thief. A thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's, why, don't we, why don't we say that out loud? A thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's say that one more time. A thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. What's, what's a thief's purpose? Who wants to steal, kill, and destroy? A thief does. Now, in the context of what Jesus is teaching here, um, Jesus uses the word thief, and he refers to anybody, any person, anything that steps into somebody's life and, as a result, desires to steal, kill, and destroy something in your life. Now I want you to hang on with me here. It might be something specific, it might be something general, but when something or somebody steps into your life and as a result of that relationship, something is stolen, something is killed, or something is destroyed. And Jesus says in the context, when that happens, that person, that thing is what? A thief. A thief. Now, this might be very difficult to grasp, but I wonder who it is who is in our life that has the most potential to steal our future, to steal our joy, to steal our happiness, and to destroy our lives. Now, think about it for a second, because all of a sudden you just want to go, well, Satan, you're right. 
But I want you to think about it in context of, of us here today. And this is a great question because I want you to think about it just for a second because as an adult, who has the greatest capacity to steal your future and destroy your life all together? Believe it or not, every one of us in here has this in common because you know who that person is? Yourself. I can't believe you guys said that. So that you mean to tell me that that old saying that we are our own worst enemy maybe is true. But believe it or not, you have the power to undermine your happiness with the decisions that you make day in and day out. And you know how I know that? Because guess who drinks it? And guess who smokes it? And guess who sleeps with it? And guess who watches it? And guess who buys it? And guess who does it? You do. You do. And in the midst of that, it has the ability to cause tremendous amounts of pain and suffering. And Jesus says this, listen, the thief is one that comes into your life with the intent to steal, kill, and destroy. But then Jesus goes on and he says this in verse 10, continued on, my purpose, in other words, in contrast to the thief's purpose, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, but my purpose, my purpose is to give them, give you, give me, give us a rich and satisfying life. And it wasn't like, well, Jesus said, I, man, my purpose is just to come and give you life. <laughs> give you life. But he's talking about life here that's out of the ordinary. Something that's extraordinary. A satisfying Rich and satisfying life. Now, the King James Version says, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant life. Real life. And if we're to look this up in the Greek, like I said a little bit earlier, it's, it's that life that isn't normally encountered, but it's out of the ordinary. It's out of this world. Um... And the difference isn't that you haven't been through difficulty, but when you do, there is a sense of internal peace that's visible to others. I mean, think about that. It's a life that as you're walking along, that as you experience the troubles in life, which you will experience somewhere along the way, that in the midst of that trouble, that even though you're going through difficulty, there's that sense of, yeah, I got this. God's got this. It's a satisfying life. It's a rich life and that richness is visible to other people and jesus says i have come that you might have a rich and satisfying and abundant life and then he goes on to say this and he identifies himself what does he say in verse 11 he says i am what the good shepherd the good shepherd now this may not mean an awful lot to us because we really don't sit around and talk about sheep all day long we don't maybe identify with this of what's being said but the people back then understood exactly what jesus was talking about when he said I am the good shepherd. And he goes on to tell what the good shepherd does. He said, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And in the context of this, we know what the scripture has to teach us about Jesus and being the one that would give his life for the sheep. Jesus was the Lamb of God that was sacrificed for the sins of the world. We know that's what the scripture teaches us. And I would assume that anybody that was willing to lay down and give their life for you would be somebody that would be for you. 
I mean, isn't that somebody that you wouldn't want to attach yourself to? Isn't that somebody that you would want to be connected to? Somebody that loved you so much that they would be willing to lay down their life for you. That would be somebody that you would want to be connected to. So think about the contrast between the actions and the attitude of a thief, one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and the attitude of the good shepherd. And Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. So what do we want to do? So do you want to follow and connect yourself to the thief who wants to take and to steal? Or do you want to connect yourself to the shepherd who wants to give you life? Now, when we start thinking about sheep, we don't, it's hard for us to understand why maybe Jesus would use us in an, in an analogy with us being like sheep. But the reality are is that we are dumb just like sheep are, right? I don't want to do this. We make some bad choices sometimes. <laughs> Happiness is a good joke, all right? Right? <laughs> what did he say, Brandon? Did Bill say something? Let me tell some stories about Bill O'Brien. Let's stop and pause here for a second. There is a resemblance between us and sheep. Think about it. I mean, there are times that we do some dumb things, just like sheep do dumb things. And Jesus said, listen, I'm asking you to follow me. Not follow me because I'm going to lead you into danger, but follow me because, because I love you. I'm not like the thief that's going to seek to kill, steal, and destroy, but I'm the good shepherd who wants to give you, who wants to give you life. But just because we are our own worst enemy doesn't mean that we are the only enemy. Because we all know that sin lurks deep inside of all of us. And the Bible says that all of us are sinners. And that sin that lurks and stays within inside us would love to destroy us. And we know this because we've talked about it. What does sin do? It kills us. It destroys us. It separates us. It divides us. And we need to recognize that there is an enemy on the inside as well as the outside that desires to destroy and undermine our happiness if we allow it. And so we ask the question, why do we act like sheep? I mean, why is it that we act like sheep and do some of the crazy things that we do? And maybe one of the reasons is that we don't understand the difference between pleasure and happiness. It would seem that God created both, didn't he? And God created both, and he created us with the desire to enjoy both. But maybe the difficulty is this, is when we get them out of line. Maybe we misprioritize them. God isn't against pleasure just like he isn't against happiness. He created both, but here's the problem. Happiness can lead us to pleasure, but pleasure can only can lead us to undermine our happiness. Happiness can lead towards pleasure, but if pleasure becomes the priority, it not only can rob us of the privilege of happiness, but it can also lead us into bondage and guilt. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you've been there. I mean, what begins as something that's pleasurable over time can lead to something that is not only habitual, but it also has to be a pathway towards addiction and even death. 
And it doesn't even have to be something that's immoral or illegal. I mean, it can be something that's completely acceptable in society's terms today. But it has the problem to lead us towards death. Down a path wishing that we would have never traveled in that direction. And so here's Paul. Paul comes around a little bit later on and he, and he takes the teachings of Jesus. And this is what he has to say in sort of surrounding this in Romans chapter 6. Verse 16, and I want to read this to you as he speaks to the believers in Rome. And Paul says this, Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? Now let's just think about this from a common sense standpoint, and I'll read it to you again. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? In other words, whatever we do over and over and over again, that's pleasurable, it doesn't take long for pleasure to become your master. I mean, that's obvious. I mean, if you do it over and over and over again, it doesn't take long for that pleasure to become your master. And you go, well, that's just a choice of mine. That's exactly right. It doesn't take long for it to take the priority in your life and all of a sudden for it to become the master. And Paul says, exactly, that's my point. When we do something over and over again, we will eventually give up control. And even though you may not think that you're a slave... You have the ability to become a slave and act like a slave and behave like a slave because, believe it or not, it ends up, can end up being something that you can't live without over a period of time. Does that make sense? Now, your minds are probably wondering, thinking, okay, how does this apply to me? And he goes on to say this, you can become a slave to sin, which leads to death, which we've all said, we understand that. You can either be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. That word righteous can be very intimidating, but really what it means is right living, right relationship, that I'm in a right relationship with God, I'm in a right standing with God. So in other words, you can either be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can lean, into, lean in and offer yourself as a slave to God, as a servant to God, which Jesus says, listen, if you'll trust me, I'm the good shepherd because I'm for you. I'm not the thief. I'm not against you. I'm not out to steal, kill, and destroy your life. In other words, if you're going to give yourself over to something, why not give yourself over to him? Does that make sense? I mean, if we're going to make ourselves a slave, if we're going to give ourselves over to something, why not give ourselves over to God instead of something that's going to kill, steal, and destroy? Why not give yourself over to God and become a slave to Him instead of becoming a slave to sin, which will only destroy us? Because when we say yes to God, but when we say yes to God, that's only the starting point, people. I mean, see, there are some of us that have walked with the Lord a long period of time, and we've still made some dumb decisions, haven't we? See, that, that, that offering of saying, yes, I want to walk to Jesus, is only the starting point. It's not the ending. But when we, when we decide to follow the Good Shepherd, that obedience to Him not only leads for us to be at peace with God, it not only offers us the opportunity to be at peace with ourselves, but it also equips us along that journey to live at peace with other people. And that's so vitally important as we talk about happiness. We said from day one that our happiness is centered around peace with God because it impacts all the other areas of our life. And yet, why do we struggle? 
And Paul says, don't you realize that anything that you say yes to over and over and over again, that what you do is you become in danger of becoming a servant to that person or thing. So either you'll become a servant to sin, a slave to sin, or a servant or a slave to your heavenly Father. Maybe we could say it this way. You sow better, you reap better, you feel better. Think about that. You sow better, you reap better, and you feel better. I mean, think about what you do sometimes when you are unhappy. How many of us make some of the dumbest choices in life at those moments when we are unhappy? Think about some of the things that you've done. I don't want to name the stuff that I've done. I mean, how many of you have ever been down in the dumps and you've went out and made a purchase that you didn't need to make? Amen. I only heard one, Miss Peggy. I guess you're the only one. I mean, how many of us have been unhappy and we went out and eat something that we knew that we shouldn't eat? Well, I said a lot more amens. I mean, I'm so unhappy, I'm just going to go. And you fill in the blank. You've got a blank. I mean, you can fill it in, right? How many crazy decisions do we make in those times and we end up undermining what we desire so, so much? By the way, you know, talking about finances last week, it blessed me that so many of you were willing to call and say, I need somebody to help me. Mark, will you help me? Will you give me some direction in this area of finance? That was a blessing that we had the opportunity to walk alongside. I had a couple that called me last week just to say, I want to tell you what of a difference this has made in our life. And I'm going to tell you what. You can become a slave to sin that leads to death. The thief wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Or you can make yourself a slave to God, the good shepherd who desires to give you life, an abundant life. And let me say this. None of us in this room, I care know much how long you've been a believer every one of us in this room are susceptible to make bad choices at any moment in time including me and I make them all the time and I have to go back and I have to apologize and I have to say I'm sorry I was an idiot I put my pants on every day just like you do but why is that but Jesus would say, listen, there are no quick fixes to happiness. You can sow and reap yourself in that direction. But happiness may not be immediate. Happiness may not be immediate, but it is accessible to every one of us. And for those of you that have maybe made all these bad choices and walking down that different road, it doesn't mean that you can't stop today and say, I'm going to begin to sow in the direction of my Heavenly Father and submit my life to Him. I forget what are, what, there are going to be consequences to the stuff that we've done in the past. But just because you've, it's happened in the past doesn't mean that you've got to continue to go in that direction. It's time for a change. I need help. Help. Somebody help me. I mean, if somebody were to call you today and say, I need help, how many of you would say, I'll be there? How many would do that? I see multitudes of people that are in this room, but how many of us are willing to say, I need help? I'm struggling. I need help. I'm 
dealing with this, or I'm struggling with this, I'm wrestling with this issue. But there are multitudes of people in this congregation that have dealt with everything from addictions, you name it. It's happened. It's been experienced in this room, and there are still issues that are happening. But none of us, none of us, not one of us in this room are excluded to walking down that path at any moment in time. I do not care who you are, what position you hold, or what streets you may live on, or what kind of vehicle you drive. None of us in this room are exempt. And Jesus says, listen, there's no quick fixes to happiness. You just don't up and solve it overnight. It's a process. But if you really want to solve it, so in the right direction. But when we say yes to pleasure over and over and over again, eventually what happens is it will undermine the happiness that you so much desire. And we have the ability to give away that which we so much desire to have. So sow better, reap better, and ultimately feel better. Not today. Maybe not tomorrow. It may take a while. But it's attainable. I mean, what, are you, what are you reaching for? What do you, what do you reach for when you're struggling, when you're unhappy? And Paul says, every time that we do that, we're acting like a slave and a servant to something that will ultimately undermine your happiness. The thief wants to destroy you. But Jesus isn't a quick fix to the problem. How many people come to Jesus thinking that that is going to immediately solve the problem and within a few weeks, a few months, they have walked away because it didn't solve the pain at that moment. We must keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we must anchor in ourselves if we want to hold on to that faith that lies deep within us. And so here's a question for you just for a second. Remember that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and the thief is the only one that would want you not to be able to answer this question. But here's a question for you today. Is there a pleasure? Is there a pleasure that is undermining your happiness here today? Is there something in your life that is undermining that you are becoming a slave to? Is there a pleasure that's taking you prisoner? You know one of the things I struggle with right now? Looking at you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I think one of the things that I struggle with the most right now is my weight. And I'm like, Lord, I can exercise. The only thing I do when I exercise is gain more weight. No, I just need to quit altogether and die and shrivel up. Then I'll lose some weight. <clears throat> but that's something I'm struggling with right now. Now, let's just do this. Since... since what are some things that you're struggling with? What are some things that you're wrestling with? What are some pleasures that may be slowly taking you prisoner? Steve? Wasting time watching television. That's a good way to rot, isn't it? Yeah. Just sit on the couch for a while and watch TV. Yeah. A collector, Jim, you don't collect anything. Just go to Jim's house. If you need it, he's got it. What are some pleasures? What's some things that maybe you're struggling with that is taking you prisoner? 
man, it's awful quiet in here. I just didn't know we had some spiritual people. You telephone? You hanging that out? Lori says her telephone. Some people in my house would tell me that too. I only can handle so much, so much stress at one time, right? I mean, think about Think of all the things, good things in life that have the ability to, to hold us, to steal from us that which we desire the most. Just think about it. I'm not asking you if it's a sin. It could be a sin. It may not be a sin. It, I just said something that's there. It may not necessarily be immoral or illegal, but it's a pleasure that is undermining your happiness. Some of you are just afraid to say it. You're afraid somebody's going to make fun of you. I can start calling some names. It may be your toys, right? I mean, think about it. Think about some of the pleasures that may be slowly taking you prisoner. It might be baseball, Little League baseball or travel ball. It could be playing cards. It could be fishing. It could be shopping. It could be being on the phone or being on Facebook or being on Twitter or being on Snapchat or some of these other things that are coming up faster and you can say hello. But just because you admit it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do anything about it. It's not what I'm calling you to. Who wants to rob you? The thief does. Who's the thief? Satan. Could be you. The first problem, the first thing is just to say, listen, man, I got a problem. Who doesn't want you to admit that you got a problem? The thief. Why? Because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Is there a pleasure that's uh, slowly taking you prisoner? I mean, you've gotten to the place that, listen, every time she comes to the door, you're ready to, to knock. But it's, it's past that. Because it's not just the fact that you're opening the door for her now so that she can come in, but you're standing at the window and you're waiting for her to come walking down the street. And then you open the door and say, hey, don't you want to come in here? You're with me. You understand. But the scripture says that we are like sheep that have gone astray. We've turned it everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, Jesus. And he became the sacrifice for our sin. Why? Because he's the good shepherd. Because he loves us. Because he wants to give us life, not death. Because he wants to give us the extraordinary life, not steal it from us. And Jesus said, I was such a good shepherd that I laid down my life for you. And I want you to have that abundant life, full life. See, pleasure and happiness. God created us for the capacity for both. But when all of a sudden, pleasure takes priority... It has the ability to rob us from what we so much desire the most, and that's happiness. And I don't know what that may be for you. I'm trying to identify those things in my life. Listen, every one of us in this room has something that you probably can put in that place that you need work on, right? Let's just get serious. Maybe it's a fear. I don't know what it may be. But I just want you to think about this today. The thief, sin, Satan, self. The thief, 
sin, Satan, and self. And you know what they want to do? To destroy you. Jesus, I come because I want to give you life. A life, an abundant life. An extraordinary life. And when we come and we present ourselves to God and we become obedient to Him and we have peace with God there's a peace that begins to happen in ourselves and not only that it allows us to have peace with other people so let me just ask you this question what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning what's He saying to you today this is a question, time and answer. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? What's he saying? What is it you're hearing? It's a participation. What's he saying? Do what? Get off the couch. Steve, get off the couch. What else? Food? What else? Turn the phone off? Who said that? Raise your hand up there. Let's just be man about it. Let go? A lot of fear in that. What else? What's he saying to you? How many are hanging on and walking down the wrong path and you know it but you've just been afraid to admit it there was somebody last night in the movie that was bold enough and courageous enough to say in our time of question afterwards she said I've been away from the Lord far too long it's time to be back you need to go to him he is your source of strength What's he saying to you? I mean, is he calling you to confess a specific sin? It wouldn't surprise me if there's something that's going on in your mind right now. What's he calling you to do? Is there somebody here that needs to ask the Lord forgiveness? Is there somebody here that needs to give their life to the Lord? For the first time, it's time for you to say, I, I, don't, I, don't, I want to take back my life. I don't want the thief to have any more priority in my life. I don't want to give him any precedence. I don't want him to steal from me any longer, but I want to give my life, and I want to trust in the good shepherd. Maybe that's you today. And right there where you are, you have the ability to make that decision. Make it right now and just to say, I, listen, regardless of where I've been and what I've done, I'm not going to listen to those voices that ring in my ear telling me, how shameful I should be and how guilty I should be and 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 I'm not gonna listen to those voices any longer but I'm gonna confess my sin and I'm gonna place my trust and my faith in Jesus and I'm gonna begin to sow step after step after step in the right direction towards my Heavenly Father because I not only want to be his but I want to experience the fullness of life that he has for me 
That's what I want to do. Then I don't want to be held slave to sin any longer. But if I'm going to be a slave to something, I want to be my, a slave to my Heavenly Father because I know that I can trust Him. You know, today, we have the ability to celebrate in the Lord's Supper, to remember. And that time of remembrance is, is so important to us. As I look back in the Old Testament, the people of God celebrated the faithfulness of God through celebrations and memorials and festivals. But Jesus, that night in the upper room, as they gathered, Jesus himself would teach them about what, it was, gonna, what was gonna happen. And there in that upper room that night, he, he took the bread and he broke it. And he told them that this would be his body that would be broken for him. It would represent that. And then a little bit later on, Jesus would take that, that drink and he would, he, would, he would pass it among them. And he said, this is my, represents my blood that would be shed for you. And he said, I want you to always do this to remember the sacrifice that will be given. And it wasn't just hours after that that Jesus' life would be sacrificed for our sins. And it's a privilege for us as believers, as a, as a community, as a family, to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper. And if you're here today, sometimes people go, well, what is the Lord's Supper? It's a remembrance of what Jesus did for us, for his sacrifice. And today, sometimes people say, well, well who partakes of the Lord's Supper? Those of us that are followers of Jesus. And you say, but what happens if I'm not a follower of Jesus? You're, you're welcome just to sit there quietly and as the, as the bread and juice is passed, you can just let it pass on by you. But the biggest question I guess I would have is why, not, why would you ever not want to be a follower of Jesus, understanding that he is the good, good shepherd? Paul also teaches us in the New Testament that before we partake of the Lord's Supper, that we're to examine our lives, to ask ourselves, is there, is there a sin that's keeping me from having fellowship with God? Is there a sin in my life that's keeping me from being, of having fellowship with another brother or sister in Christ? And so we'll have that time of examination this morning. And then what's going to happen is our ushers are going to come down and they're going to serve you. Uh, they're going to serve you the, the bread and they're going to serve you the drink. And at the end of that, uh, we will partake of that together. So if you'll just hold on to those elements, if you're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper uh, with us this morning, um, if you'll hold that bread and that drink it when it's the right time, I'll tell you, and we'll celebrate that together. And then we'll close out our time here. Um, but I'm just so excited that we have the ability and the freedom to be able to celebrate and to remember Jesus' sacrifice and the being reminded that he is our good, good father. And if you don't have a relationship with him today, you can call on him and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I want you to take control of my life. I want to pray over you. And then there'll be a moment of silence and then our ushers will be passing out those elements. And then we'll celebrate, partake of the Lord's Supper together. Let me pray over you this morning. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Uh, your word speaks very boldly. And Father, we we don't want to become a slave to sin that leads us down the wrong path. But, Father, we desire to be a slave of yours, to look to our good shepherd, Father, for, for direction, um, Father, for, for encouragement, for directions. Father, I'm asking today that if there's someone here that don't know you, that even right now they would cry out and say, Jesus, today will you save me?
I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to confess my sins. Father, there's nothing that I can do to save myself, but I recognize it was because of your sacrifice on Calvary 2,000 years ago when you gave your life that that's the only thing that saves me is the blood of Jesus. And Father, I'm reminded that during this time of examination that as we're here and as we prepare to remember your sacrifice, Lord, I'm just reminded that we should examine ourselves. And Father, I confess my sins to you. Father, I ask you to make me clean, to make me whole. And I know what the scripture teaches, that if I confess my sins, you're faithful enough to forgive me of my sins. And Father, the scripture teaches me is to cast them as far as the east to the west and the depths of the sea. Father, I pray that in our time, that it'll be a special time of this family, that as we worship you through this time, that we would remember the greatest sacrifice that was ever given. In Jesus' name.